Hello, and welcome to the TNT Podcast. That is to say, Thriving in Technology. Your hosts are Sam Moulton, Cecilia Taylor, and Petra Stefanova. We're all members of Team Influence at Meta. For this episode, we are pleased to be joined by Ann Bischoff, a Principal Program Manager here at NetApp and co-lead of the NetApp New England Women in Technology Chapter. We've heard from WIDEP members from NetApp's RTP campus, and now we're tuning our attention to the Boston area. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today. Thanks. I appreciate being asked. <laughs> so, Ann, I'm going to kick this off because you and I have some history together. We have known each other for I don't know how many years, but um, when I realized as I was preparing for this podcast that you and I have never actually spoken about what you do at NetApp. Um, and so I was hoping you could just tell us a little bit about that. Okay, great. Yep, Sam and I worked together at Sun before I joined NetApp. I've been at NetApp, I'm, I'm entering my 10th year. Seems like a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. And my focus area, I've always worked out of the the Boston Waltham office for NetApp. And I'm a program manager. So what that means is I work with engineering teams to deliver products to customers. And primarily, um, my first probably eight and a half years at NetApp, I worked on um, products that had to do with delivering ONTAP in a virtualized environment. So ONTAP not running on our own hardware. And that was a pretty new area for NetApp. We had no idea what the opportunity was, what customers were going to do for, with the product when we first started. Um, and so over the last, you know, eight years, we went from offering it on um, hardware with a partner, Fujitsu, to offering it in the cloud with Amazon and now Azure and Google, and then offering a product called ONTAP Select where the customer provides their own hardware. Um, and really what, what that was about was understanding what the opportunity was with the customer working with product management to understand how do we, what are the key things we have to deliver to the customer from features to support to how we document and deliver the product. In the last year, I focused on product security. There's a lot of uh, press, as you may have seen, of um, security breaches and being a data company. Um, mm -hmm. It would be very bad if we delivered products to our customers that um, enabled hackers to breach their data. So we have a team focused on how do we build products in a secure way so that we can work with customers to make them comfortable um, that the data that they're um, managing is secure. So um, I've always worked with remote teams. Um, Waltham is a, is a relatively small site for NetApp. So I tend to work with um, teams that are dispersed anywhere from California to Pittsburgh to India to North Carolina. Um, and I did a lot of that when I was at Sun. So, um, so I likewise. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, what people often think of engineering program managers is cat herders, kind of trying to get all the people who are working on the product to get it to the finish line and deliver it to our customers. Sounds like a full plate. Yes. And it's always different. So. You're very involved with uh, the New the NetApp New England chapter of WIT. Uh, what drives your participation? I think I'm working in an engineering organization. Um, there just inherently aren't a lot of women on the teams. 
Um, there are more than there used to be, but there aren't a lot. So for me, when I first joined NetApp, it was a way to meet for me to connect with the other women at the site. And as time went on, also connecting with the other WIT groups in other parts of NetApp to see what they were doing. Um, I've always really liked to um, mentor younger women. And so I found it was a great opportunity for me to um, find those mentoring opportunities. My partner in crime in Maine, Vidya, um, started out joining WIT because she, want, she was an engineer and she wanted to develop her communication and leadership skills. So it was a really good match. But as WID has grown and we've increased the activities, we've also been able to do things like get more engaged with the local community um, and doing activities, Not certainly not to the extent that RTP does, we're a much smaller site. But, you know, connecting with my own community within NetApp, um, as well as, you know, giving back and, and giving employees, not just women at NetApp, but the entire site opportunities to get more engaged in the community where we live. So that's that's really why I do it. So I have a question for you. One of the things that uh, the uh, folks that we spoke with uh, from RTP, they were telling us uh, that they uh, work with the Dress for Success organization. And I'm curious, do we do that here at, in, uh, in Maine? We haven't done that in Maine yet. We've started to look at it. And a lot of, um, one of the things we're seeing is that um, dress for success organizations aren't just about dress for success. They're about um, helping mentor women who are reentering the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have some opportunities and we've got some folks on the site now who are interested um, in working with women who are reentering the workforce. So I think um, we had typically thought of it as, oh, we could go get some, you know, let's go donate some clothes. But there's a lot more to it in listening to what RTP has done. Um, and we've recently connected with a local um, group in Waltham. And so I think we've, we've, we're getting ready to look at that this year. Um, part of the challenge with the WIT group in Maine is we're a relatively small site, so we have lots of really good ideas. Um, <laughs> we have, you know, then when push comes to shove, it, it does take time to follow through on these activities. So I've cautioned our team to think about, you know, three things we really want to accomplish in the year. Um, because if we, in the past, we've, we've thrown out ideas and then before you know it, the, the year is halfway done. And because we weren't focused, we really didn't accomplish much. Um, so. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Um, because personally, I would, I think that would be a good fit for me. I mean, I don't have that technical background, but I think I could be of, of assistance to, you know, women who are re-entering the workforce and I have a lot of clothes, uh, so, <laughs> a lot of clothes with tags that yeah. are never going to get worn. So, um, but you know, you recently hosted an event on campus uh, that was designed to make others more aware of gender bias. And I thought it was super cool. So we'd love to have you tell us more about that. Yeah. So there's this movie or a documentary that was done called Code Debugging the Gender Gap. And I found out about it actually from um, Kevin Nye, who's a VP in our Pittsburgh office for ONTAP. And he had participated in um, an event in Boulder and said it was really well received by the employee community. And did we want to do it in Nain? And Kevin has um, a significant team in Nain. And he said, I'll come up and I'll host it. Let's do it. And then when I started investigating, it turns out that the film was actually um, sponsored in part by D the uh, Hits Foundation, Dave Hits, who's one of our founders, um, Helen 
Bradley, who had been one of the early engineering VPs, and Steve Kleiman. So I watched the movie on Netflix to see what it was all about, and it wasn't until I saw some of the credits that I realized we had this NetApp connection, which really spoke to me that we have um, executives who don't just talk the talk, right, um, who had put their own, you know, hard-earned dollars and profits into this effort. And debugging the gender gap is really about building awareness and helping the entire community, men and women, understand some of the challenges of being um, a woman in tech and some of the things that happen that you never hear about. And we've heard a lot more about some of these things in the news in the past couple of years um, for interesting reasons. But um, the purpose of the film was to really, in a safe environment, you know, where we gave people food and we kept them in, which is the way you get people to do things at NetApp, give them lots of food. Um, <laughs> we, um, we screened the movie and then we had a, a, a really good discussion, about an hour discussion after it, just having people share, you know, had they experienced similar um, gender bias in the workplace. And it really helped the entire group understand that there's some things that are very subtle that people do um, that have a big impact. And so just building that awareness, and it also built this enthusiasm, which was really interesting to watch, of what can we do about this to make this better, not just at NetApp, but in the community. So um, the intention was just to kind of build some awareness. And the result was a lot of excitement about having an impact and people really felt like just by being more aware um, it they could do something now one of the most interesting comments I heard though was you know many of us have kids who are you know considering careers I have a son who's a computer science major in college um, and one thing that one of the guys said was I would never want my daughter to see this it would probably discourage her from going into technology um, and mm -hmm. What was interesting is, you know, do you inform people of the issues and the and the biases um, as they go into something to help them be aware and and be prepared, or would that discourage young people from going into tech? Um, and so that was kind of an interesting question that that was raised. Um, and obviously, we weren't telling employees they should all go home and show it to their kids. Yeah. Um, so where did you fall on that? I mean, what was the, the majority of people, their response to that? Because I think that's a really important question. Well, I think a lot of people agreed that if you had kids who were, say, middle school and below, this would be too much because it was there were some pretty, um, there were a couple of scenarios that were pretty graphic, a woman who had worked at GitHub who, who was treated very poorly. Um, and so there were some things that would just be too harsh for young kids. But I think, you know, as kids are older and making those career choices and then getting experience in the, in the work environment, whether it's high school or internships in college, that it would be, you know, entirely appropriate. But I think everybody agreed, you know, don't show this to your 11 year old because it would probably freak them out. Right. Yeah. yeah another thing that you do, um, I, I don't know if this is, yeah, it must be through wit. Yeah. Because that's how I, I hear about it is the bring your daughter to work day. Is yeah, that, we, yeah, we do, a, um, uh, Young Women in Technology Workshop Day, and it's evolved over the years. 
Um, it started out as kind of bring your daughter to work day. And then really the intent of that day is to expose young girls to what are the opportunities in technology and what kind of environment is it? And so we've done a variety of things. We tend, we, we bring girls in for, um, a day that ends about three o'clock and we expose them to workshops that tend to be hands on and um, we realize that we can't get them to code on tap because on tap as a product is um, pretty technical. So um, we show them things like um, well, we, we've done workshops on robotics. We've done workshops on how to, you know, think about building a blog or a web page. Um, one of our most popular um, workshops is these instant challenges where you give the kids a problem they have to solve as a team in a very short time period, and that's always the favorite. Last year, we oriented our activities around um, Shark Tank was our final activity, and the girls through the previous activities had taken an idea and kind of carried it through from activity to activity, and then they had to do a shark tank like um, presentation to the to the um, to a group of a panel and then get voted down or not for their idea. So it's really fun. The other th thing we do is we always do are you smarter than a NetApp engineer? And <laughs> we've done some Jeopardy games and get a lot of good participation. So and it's so funny. I remember the like the second or third year, one of the female engineers came up to me and she said, you know, that was great. My daughter had a great time, but now she thinks I make a lot of money and she wants me to buy her more stuff. And I'm like, well, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really fun day for us. Um, and we get kids from across the spectrum from like third or fourth grade all the way up to about ninth or 10th grade. And um, often we encourage kids to bring their friends because they tend to be, um, have more fun in a strange environment if they know somebody. Um, so we get, groups of kids and we mix them all up and it's it's really a great day. We all look forward to it every year. And we also look forward to how, what can we do different this year than in the past, just based on, you know, what's out there and what kids are thinking about. So, so did your children participate in this? My son participated because he was a robotics geek. And so we actually ah. had him help run the robotics session for a couple of years um, and he really enjoyed that. My daughter is not into technology so she uh, she she of course as a middle schooler refused to come and then she was too Aww. busy in high school. But, uh, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. So that's a nice segue I think to uh, some of the questions that Cecilia would like to ask you about. Well it's no secret that juggling a career and raising a family is challenging. You know that um, but what do you see right now as the biggest change for parents today between when you're first raising your children, which may have been years ago, and now as they're approaching adulthood? Well, I have 20-year-old um, twins, a boy and a girl. Um, and so when I had my kids, I was totally freaked out that I was having twins. <laughs> I couldn't imagine how I was gonna, what I was going to do with two infants. Um, and then how was I going to go back to work? But luckily for me, my older sister had two kids. And so she was, she was like my mom mentor on, you know, going back to work. And her advice to me when I first be went back to work was don't overdo it. You know, do your job, but um, leave on time, you know, be there for your kids. And that was great advice for me. What I see 
now that's really interesting is to me what's helped me as a parent is to be present for my children so when i'm home or when i'm home and not working because i work from home a lot um I'm present for my family. I put my phone down. I turn off my laptop. When we go on vacation, I remove my email from my phone so I can't even touch the icon. Um, and I've also tended to take two and even three-week vacations so that I can be fully present for my family. And I recently saw some articles. I can't remember where it was, but um, women advising other women. And one of the one of the folks was talking about the importance of taking a long enough vacation. Um, but the difference that I see now is that dads are much more engaged and um, it's not unusual at NetUp to see a father take paternity leave. It's not the norm, but I know several folks who who shared paternity leave. The mom takes a couple months off and then the dad takes a couple months off. So I think that men are more engaged with their children than they were, say, 20 years ago. And I think the, the stigma of leaving early to see your kid, um, you know, coach them in a soccer team or, you know, see their play or get to school to talk to the teacher is much easier now because both parents are engaged in those activities. And so, you know, and with the flexibility of working from anywhere, you know, you can leave, you know, you can, you can take two hours off in the middle of the day and still get your job done, you know, later or, you know, work, get up early and start the day sooner. But I think that engagement of fathers in the the raising of kids has really increased, and that's helped everybody because it makes people, you know, more accommodating. I guess is the right word. Yeah, one of the, one of the reasons I thought that was a great question is because um, it has changed dramatically from the time when I was first uh, pregnant with my first child. Um, it was such that you wanted to pretend that you weren't even having a child. Um, of course, it was pretty obvious, but you know, you you didn't want to make it seem like um, it was going to be anything that would take you away from you know the task at hand. And now I think there's just more acceptance of um, that whole. I, I hate to use the, the term work-life balance, but that really is what it's about. And if employers want talented women working for them, then this is something I think that's. Um, it had to happen. It had to happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, I found that I became even more efficient as a mom um, because you just you have to make the priority calls when you're juggling home and work and kids and your spouse or your partner. Um, so I. I didn't do different. You know, I don't think I worked that much differently. I just I focused on the right things because. I couldn't do everything on my list, but then I also found that there was stuff on my list that didn't really matter. And that was true at both home and at work, right? Um, and so it just made me more aware of the choices I make on a day-to-day -day basis about where I spend my time. Um, you mean, so you, you stopped like ironing the underwear? Is that right, yeah, the ironing the sheets, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Me, I, yeah. I stopped wearing the white gloves to dinner. And then the other thing I personally did is traveling is really hard on parents and kids. And and when your kids are young, it can be really disruptive for any parent to travel and leave the other one home alone with the with the rugrats. Um, and so I I travel when I need to, and traveling is really important for certain activities, and it's a really good way 
to connect with your coworkers. Um, but I've really limited my travel when my kids were little. And then I also realized that once my kids got older, you know, traveling for business is not all it's, <laughs> you know, it sounds cool, but it's not as much fun. You know, it's, it's hard work. You're changing time zones. Um, and so I, you know, I remember when my kids got to the age where I could start traveling, I was like, well, I don't really want to travel for work. Unless it makes sense. Um, I'd rather travel to Italy with my family, honestly, than go to India and spend a week with the engineers. No offense, but, you know. So I think knowing when, you know, again, a choice. When is it important to take that trip? And, and then understanding the effect of being away. Um, and then knowing when you can, you can use video chat or you can use conference calls and other ways to communicate. And... I think NetApp has evolved and most tech companies have evolved and the technology has gotten so much better that we can establish those relationships remotely and people are more open to it. And that's been great for me as a parent because it's meant that I don't have that pressure. When my kids were born, I felt a lot of pressure to travel. And I remember talking to my boss and he said, you know what? Just say you can't go. And I was like, oh, I can do that? He said, yeah. And it turned out it was a two-hour meeting in California you know, which would have taken three days to do. Um, and then when it, when I could travel, I did. Right. But, um, but again, you know, it's all about the choices you make and what works for you and your family. And some things work for some people and some things, you know, it, it's all personal based on what you need to do. But, you know, as a person and as a worker and as a parent, you have, you make judgment calls and you just have to trust your gut. Right. Exactly. And I think it's easier for women to do that because um, just the roles, stereotypes, if you will, are that, you know, we have to juggle. And in some ways it might be harder for men to make that judgment because those people don't assume that they're right, that they're they the to, that they may yeah. be interested or, or want to be a character. Want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned this, uh, that you've been uh, with NetApp for nearly 10 years. I myself just celebrated my 10-year anniversary. Um, tell us uh, about something or someone that made you stick around all this time. Yeah, I mean, I what I like about, what attracted me to NetApp in the very beginning was there was this focus on the customer. And I remember when I was interviewing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, everybody says that, right? But the more I talked to people before I joined the company, they said, no, it's true. And I did find that when I joined NetApp. And I think there was a period of time where we might have strayed away from that. But I think that connection to helping customers be success, successful, understanding what are the challenges that they face as a business, and then helping them solve their problems is really a, a very important part of NetApp's culture, and it always has been. And so when we were working in the cloud and customers were trying to figure out what to do with Amazon and did this make sense, we were right, right there with them. And, you know, as I'm working on security and we're trying to figure out what's going on in, in security with all these breaches and how do you prevent them, this is a top of mind for our customers. And so the fact that NetApp tends to we do innovation and we do new projects, investigations, but when we make our investment decisions, I think we do it with our customers in mind. And so those things that we take from kind of the lab to 
real product that we're going to deliver, we ask our customers what's important to them. And, and that, that really is fun for me because I've been able to work on a lot of new technologies and I get excited about doing stuff that nobody really understands. I don't like predictable projects. Yeah. I like unpredictable work. It's just the way I am. And, you know, being able to have the ability to talk to our customers and have the relationship with our customers where we say, we are, we have this idea. What do you think? Mm -hmm. We don't, not everybody has that relationship with their customer, right? So to be able to have that type of relationship and particularly when we were going into these things with the cloud um, and Amazon, and honestly, Amazon didn't even know who we were and they really didn't give us a lot of attention because we didn't have a product and they didn't know much about us. So we actually went off and talked to a bunch of customers and got a lot of good feedback. And just the fact that we had that ability to do that is what, keeps me excited and um the stock price doesn't hurt <laughs> with two kids that, in college that, <laughs> yeah. so ain't uh, that the truth yeah so what do you have in store for the next 10 years oh my goodness i don't know for the next 10 years i think you know the things that i i think i've been doing this a long time so i kind of know what attracts me and it's not necessarily the specific technology or the group it's more about um, am I working with a team that's doing something differently and are we are we looking outward and um, are we passionate about what we're doing and if I'm working with a team where I've got you know a few key players who are passionate about their work then I am a happy girl right um, and so like I didn't know anything about security 18 months ago um, I didn't know what a threat was. I didn't know what a security vulnerability was. But the fact that I was able to come into a team and I had a lot of background in bringing processes and delivering product, and that was a good match, I'm learning a bunch of stuff and I'm doing something that's really important to our customers. So I think for me at NetApp, as long as there's opportunities um, to continue to work with teams where we're um, doing something differently, um, then, then this is a great place to be. And for almost 10 years, I found there's plenty of people who are thinking up things and who are open if I come to them and say, hey, what about this? Have we thought about that? Um, in general, our, our management listens and they don't, it doesn't have to come from a VP. An idea can be proposed by a senior engineer or a program manager, um, and our executives are open to, you know, listening to employees. So I, I hope that, you know, I continue to be at NetApp and help our customers, whether it's in delivering product, which I've done for a really long time and I love, or, you know, something more um, kind of foundational like the security work. Um, and for me, it's challenging to make that transition from product delivery to something that's more um, cuts across multiple products. So it's really challenging for me to figure out how to make that transition and get security, you know, really top of mind for our development team. So as long as I have those challenges, I'm happy and so far so good. So I hope I'm here in another five years anyhow.
<laughs> That's good to hear. In 10 years, I hope to be riding my bike and <laughs> sitting on a beach somewhere, maybe. Sitting on yeah. a beach, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, got you. Got you. As soon as those kids get out of college, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we still got to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> darn it. Yeah, darn yeah. it. Yeah. So I have a question that um, kind of uh, steps a little outside of the, the norm. Um, knowing what you know now, if you could give your younger self advice about a career in technology, what advice would you give? I think the, the biggest thing, and, and since my kids are in college, I've had to kind of think about this as, as I help guide them to you know, think about what they study. And my advice is be open to change. Um, when I went to college, computer science was barely offered at most schools, um, at small schools anyhow. And so, you know, there are, there are so many, when I was in college, I, the field I'm in was just starting to grow and evolve. I didn't, there wasn't even, I didn't even know there was something called a program manager, right? So my my advice is be open to change and be open to new opportunities. When I got out of college, I was in the field as a sales engineer, um, and I've had a lot of different roles over the over my career. And a lot of it is just because um, I'm not afraid to try something different. And every time I do that, I make sure I have the support. You know, find find people who will sponsor you and mentor you. And then you can really get the courage you need to take some of those career risks. Um, but, you know, what I always say, well, what's the, what's the worst that could happen, right? And yeah. often the worst that could happen is it doesn't work out and you do something else, right? Right. <laughs> right. And every time I've been in a situation where I've had to go through a major change, the thing I've gone to has always been better than the thing I left, right? I've never, I've been lucky, you know. 90% of the time, you know, there's always something that you just, you never, even, you don't know what's there until you try it. And so being open to those changes um, and having the skill and the support um, and the confidence and, and things like learning how to communicate, understanding how to deal with conflict, um, how to build your network, those are all things that mentors taught me. And so getting those early mentors and, and listening to what they're telling you then gives you the courage to do, um, to take a risk. So that's what I would say. Very, very good. Um, you know, I feel like I know you so much better now uh, <laughs> that we've done this podcast than, Thanks. you know, we're, we're not just passing in the hallway. We're, yeah. you know, like, and, and you're very impressive. I find that you are, um, you've had some really good insights today. And, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm glad to know you. Well, I haven't always been this smart, so. <laughs> <laughs> My kids have taught me a lot. Engineers have taught me a lot. And I, I guess I, I think at NetApp and almost any other tech company I've worked at, um, there's always a lot of encouragement to take, take risks because that's how technology companies thrive. Um, and having those people around you um, has given me a lot of, um, good experience. And um, despite all the talk in the industry about how hard it is to be a woman in tech, I don't think it's, I think it's different than what I expected when I got out of college, but it's always gotten a little better and a little better. And having the flexibility um, 
to be able to be around my kids when I want to be and and then tell them I have to go into the office when I don't want to be. Um, you know, has given me, you know, as a parent, a lot of opportunity to, you know, to be present for my children. And I get paid to do this really cool stuff. So, you know. It's always the bonus, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there there's a lot of um, opportunities to to help women in technology. And there's a lot of things that we can do to improve the situation. Um, but I think I, I early in my career, I worked at a division of General Electric. So I didn't work in the manufacturing divisions, but I worked with those folks as my clients. And, you know, that was a lot more challenging an environment than technology's ever been. So I think we're lucky in technology to have that attitude that we do. Well, that's all good stuff. Okay. And well, thanks I, for the opportunity to chat with you guys. It's great getting to see you. Yeah, we, we enjoyed having you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being a guest on our podcast. Uh, to our listeners out there, we think we know you have a bunch of podcasts you could be listening to, so we definitely take appreciate the time you took to uh, listen with us today. It, we would love to hear your feedback, so if you uh, have any feedback for us, let us know. Uh, contact us on our NG, NG Tent Podcast at netop.com, and let us know what you'd like to discuss. Until next time, thank you. Mm -hmm.